I realize as the morning speaker this morning for guests, please come back next Sunday and hear your pastor preach. Well, Brother Bordell will be here, but come back and hear Brother Ray. Brother Ray is the most interesting preacher I know. He has more illustrations and things that go with his message than are actually in the human race. That's, I always appreciate that about him. It keeps your attention. So if I say something that offends you today, please come back and hear Brother Ray. I'm sure he will not be offensive in any way, shape, form, fashion, or other. And yes, we have been friends for 37 years, and he is an amazing friend. Uh, September 3rd, I retired after 40 years of pastoring in our church. Didn't have to, didn't want to. But Brother Ray's called probably three or four times a week at least just to see how I'm doing, how's it going, praying for you, thinking about you. He's a master encourager. And, uh, and I appreciate that about his kindnesses. And then, of course, to be at Hopewell Baptist Church is a tremendous blessing. I look forward to it. This is an unusual church. You have an unusual pastor, so you have an unusual church. And so it's true. And unusual good, not weird, just unusual. Uh, believe me, I've been in weird churches before. That's another subject. But uh, matter of fact, the one I pastor is kind of weird. But anyway, that, I can say that about him now because I'm not the pastor anymore. And hey, being retired is something else. I, 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 haven't, I don't have a sense of retirement yet because I'm traveling every week now and and I'm not home very much, so I haven't got a sense of being retired after pastoring there 40 years. But uh, I love the statement, don't hassle me, I'm retired. I love that statement. That, that's working out pretty well. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, as you find that and are able, would you stand with me for God's words reading this morning? Going to look at a familiar passage, probably preach a familiar message, but that's okay. Brother Roloff said, if it's new, it's not true. Anytime a preacher tries to break new ground, they always get in trouble. So I have no desire to try to break new ground whatsoever. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. And here's the statement for which we are most familiar. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You know the context now of 2 Timothy. The great apostle Paul is in a Mamertine prison. He knows he's going to be executed. He knows he has a very short time. Chapter 4, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew it. He had been in prison several times before. Paul's imprisonment was always for the right reason, preaching the gospel. But this time, and all the other times he was released, though he did not know that then either, in this particular case, he knows this is it. He has an execution date and they're going to come. They'll cut his head off. And now he is giving you his last statements before he leaves this earth. The man who gave himself, gave 37 years of his life to the gospel ministry. Two thirds of your New Testament was penned by the Apostle Paul. The truth is, if you could do a, a lineage search on the person who led you to Christ, it would probably go back to the Apostle Paul. Amazing life, amazing work. He knows he's going to heaven. And he says, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What a great thought to have in mind. But more importantly, dear people, listen, what a great truth to know when you're coming to face something in life like his case, death, execution. 
to be able to say, yes, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We're going to take that verse, break it down a little bit this morning and go to lunch. Let's pray. Bless now, Father, this morning. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for this pastor, these dear people. Hopewell Baptist Church has been such a great influence on our state, our country, and this world. I thank you for my dear friend, Brother Ray, and his dear wife. I pray you're blessed now this morning. Help these dear folks today to get what you have directed this preacher to deliver. May it be heard, received, and lived. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated if you would. I know whom I have believed. You know the song. It's in your hymn book, page 267. It's the only song we sing that we pronounce the word wrong. Believe Ed when it's believed. But the man who wrote that song, if you ever take time sometime, you should study the story behind the hymns. They're tremendous. That's why, by the way, that's why the hymns have lasted. They not only have biblical substance to them, but there's a story behind them that births those songs. The man that wrote that song, I Know Whom I Have Believed in Your Hymn Book, was Daniel Webster Whittle. Whittle, this was during the Civil War era. Whittle was a man raised by godly parents, but he got away from God. He wasn't a saved man. Got into the Union Army, was serving on that side of the conflict, lost an arm in a battle. But through, the, through his life, he had just not only gotten away from what his parents had taught him, he had never settled the matter of his salvation. And he's in, a, and he's in a, a hospital after he had lost his arm and he was in this hospital and a nurse came up to him one night and said, sir, look, I, I noticed that you were reading your Bible. She said, there's a young man who's dying over here and he's asked someone to come and pray for him. And Whittle said, well, ma'am, I'm not a Christian. She said, but, but I know, but I'm not either. But somebody needs to pray with this man. He's asked someone to come and pray for him, this young man, and he's going to die. Please, sir, would you? And Whittle went over and he thought, oh my goodness. And he knelt next to the young man's bed and, he was, and the young man said, sir, he goes, I, I'm about to face eternity and I, I don't know God. And Whittle said, I, I don't know him either. And he said, but I, I, I'll, I'll try to pray for you if I could. And he bowed beside the young man's bed and as he began to pray for him. And Whittle at that moment realized the God he needed in his life. And he asked Christ to be his personal savior. Whittle did. And when he finished praying, the young man had died. But he said, I saw a look of peace on his face where I felt like he had settled some things with God in his life. Not long after that, Whittle wrote this, the words to that hymn. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Can I ask you a question this morning, friend? Do you know him? Do you notice he didn't say there, Paul didn't say, I know what I have believed. He said, I know whom I have believed. Do you notice Paul didn't say, I know why I have believed. He said, I know whom I have believed. Because if you settle the whom, you settle the why and the what. You get that right in your mind and you're thinking. See, we got too much today of Christianity that, be honest with you, is superficial and it's not real. It's something that's religiosity. We have it in our lives. We come to church. We hear good singing like you've heard today. The beautiful singing that you heard this morning. Your church put out a CD on music. And we listen to it often and it's beautiful. We love it. And then that dear brother tonight, Nicaragua, Australian with a southern, uh, with, a, with a Spanish accent. And he sang for you this morning. And that sort of thing. And then you, you come and you go to church. Listen. And we sit there and we hear stuff and we have experience. And so much of our life is based on that because of our electronic lives today. We, we have our phones and we have our social media sites. And everything is kind of go, experience it, and then just kind of move on. 
Well, when you come to a situation like the Apostle Paul faced, and you know you're going to leave this life, you better know whom you have believed. There better be something more than just what you believe or why you believe or if you believe or could believe. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Well, that meant he knew, of course, he knew the Lord as his Savior. Now, friend, listen, listen this morning. If you do not know 100% for certain that you have eternal life and that heaven is your home, please settle that today. The only thing you can do wrong is leave this room, live this property, leave this place and not settle that in your life. See, so many folks today, they, they have a relationship with God that's based on their terms. You ever hear them people say it nowadays? They see it all the time. Well, I'm a spiritual person. What in the world does that mean? It could mean anything. It could mean you're a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim. It could mean anything. It could mean you're just somebody who has, an, as one guy said, well, I happen to know there's something there and I, I believe in him. Really? So that's your spiritual experience. When Paul said, I know whom I have believed, he was making a statement. The word know there means this. Now listen, it means to know because you have seen something. Now, if you've seen God, that either means your meds are working or you don't have enough. One or the other one. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I saw God on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably have a leak in the plumbing. But, but the truth of the matter is, it's not, it's not because it has to be something that you actually see. It means I know I have seen God work in my life. Do you know whom you have believed? Have you come to that place in your life where you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? You can remember a specific moment and event where you realize you were a sinner and Jesus is the Savior, the Savior, not a Savior. He's the Savior. And knowing and understanding that in simple repentance. Repentance doesn't mean you change your life. Repentance means you turn from this to Jesus. Whatever this is, whatever it is, sin, life, work, religion, yourself, your family, your heritage, you turn from that you turn to Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is the only hope of salvation you have and trusting only Christ to save you you get saved that's not complicated it's simple Second Corinthians chapter 11 says beware lest Satan beguile you of the simplicity that is in Christ pretty tragic nowadays that these guys who got saved in a simple salvation want to make it complicated. They want to make it lordship salvation. They want to make it, you got to do, do good work salvation. They got to make it, well, if you don't evidence it in your life, you obviously didn't get it. We're not fruit inspectors, ladies and gentlemen. It's simple. You get, you realize you're lost in sin. You trust Christ. You accept him as your savior. You get saved. That's something that you see and know for yourself. Do you know whom you have believed? For most of you this morning, that's been settled in your life for some time. But let me ask you a question. But do you know whom you have believed not only as Savior, but as your friend? As somebody that you see working and moving in your life? Too much of our Christianity, to be honest with you, isn't real to us. It's something we have, it's something we believe, something we know. If I was to go up and down these roads today and ask you, do you know for sure you're saved? Yes, of course, Pastor, I'm saved. I know it for a fact. If I said, do you know whom you have believed? Oh, that was Paul's great desire in Philippians chapter 3. Oh, he said that I may know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. 
See, there's something that, that means it's something personal with you. He's somebody personal to you. You talk to him today and you walk with him today. And you've seen him answer prayer and help and work and move in your life. You've seen God do great things, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You've seen the hand of God touch you in your life and lift you and strengthen you, encourage you and help you and push you forward. Yes, yeah, sometimes convict you and correct you and chasten you if you need it, but you've seen that. You know that. You know for a fact. You don't have to have proof of the existence of God because you know whom you have believed and are persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day. Oh, do you see what that means? Do you know the real work and answer of prayer in your life? Years ago in the 1940s and 50s, there was a preacher named Joe Henry Hankins. And Hankins was just raised in that kind of home. It was in Arkansas and raised in a home where his mom and dad and a bunch of kids and they lived just a simple farm type life. And Joe Henry Hankins was telling a story once about how when he was a boy, his mom was a great praying woman. He said every morning after breakfast was done and we went out about our chores, he said my mama would be out behind the corn crib on her knees praying and talking to God. And asking God to do a work in our lives and our family. And she, he said, I, I had several brothers and sisters. But for some reason, my mom just kind of got the idea that one of my brothers was going to become a preacher. And she was convinced of it in her mind. He said, that brother got very sick. And that brother, he said, got very near death. In fact, the family gathered. And we're all upstairs in the bedroom there. My little brother lay there about to draw his last breath and the whole family was gathered around the bed and Hank and said all of a sudden my mama slipped away and we were talking and the doctor was there and he kept checking his pulse and mama was gone an hour two hours something like that and he said my brother died doctor pulled the sheet over his head and the family gathered and wept and prayed and dad said better get mama go find mama she'll you know where she'll be she'll be out there behind the corn crib and she kept telling them but but he's going to be a preacher he's going to be a preacher Joe Henry Hankins said, my mama was gone and it was an hour or two more passed and we couldn't find her. She wasn't in her usual place of prayer. Finally, after almost three or four hours, she came into the house and the family gathered and said, mama, he's gone, mama, he passed, he's gone. She goes, no, it can't be, it can't be. God told me he's gonna be a preacher. He's, it, it can't be that he's dead and I've been telling God and God's assured me that that boy is gonna be a preacher someday. He said, but mommy's been dead for hours now. The doctor's even gone. Mama, you, you got, and she said he pushed, he, she, she pushed past us and went up the stairs in the bedroom and there my brother lay with a sheet over his, over his body and my mother said, it can't be. God said he would be a preacher. And Joe Henry Hankins said, my brother reached up and pulled that sheet off of his head and sat up in that bed. He said, don't you ever doubt a praying mama who gets a hold of God and knows what God can do. Do you know whom you have believed? You know it because you've seen what God can do. You know what God can do. You, have a, you are assured of things. Well, here's the evidence of it this morning. Verse 12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That means you're convinced. That means you're confirmed. That means you're certain. When someone knows whom they have believed, they are persuaded of certain things. Paul would say it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you have the right whom in your life, you're convinced in any circumstance or situation that God is right. Does it always look like that to you? Doesn't to me. 
Doesn't always look right when you're at a cemetery and standing there and there's a little coffin about that size and your granddaughter's body's in that box as we did now almost 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Does it look right? Does it look right to see a loved one wither with cancer? Does it look right to go through a battle or a struggle? Does it look right to go through a loss in your life? Does it look right? Does it always, does God always look right to you? Truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, you look at me. If you know whom you have believed, you're persuaded that God is right. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't always look good at the time. And by the way, that good of Romans 8, 28 is not our good. It's not somebody else's good. It's the good that God determines in our lives. Please remember Romans 8, 28. Please remember. Don't ever get on God's side of that verse. We know all things work together for good. That's God's side. You leave that alone. You give God time. My job is to love him and live in his purpose. That's my side of Romans 8, 28. You stay on your side of this thing, okay? And it'll be all right. You'll be persuaded. See, convinced. In your mind, you'll be convinced that God is right. It always won't seem like it. It may even come up at the moment. But you see, if you know whom you have believed, it's all right. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I'm not only convinced, it's confirmed to me that the word of God is true. There's nothing as precious to the child of God than the God of that book and the book that tells me about him. What kind of relationship do you have with your Bible? Is it real? Is it something that's you and God and you open that book like you've got to have nourishment from this book? It's bread, it's milk, it's seed, it's water, it's everything that we need. It's life, it's breath, it's light, it's guide, it's direction. It's all of that. You see that in that book. See, if you, know whom, if you know whom you have believed, then guess what, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> you're, you're confirmed in your mind that whatever the world says or does, hey, God is right. And God's word is right. And then you know what you are? You're persuaded because you're, you're, <laughs> you're certain. Those promises God has given us may not always seem to come true in our, our time. But God will not make a promise God will not keep. And I know his promises and I believe his promises. I've trusted them. I've clung to them. Do you? If you know whom you have believed, then you are persuaded. Then lastly, look what it says in verse 12. That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Watch. If I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded of what God, who God is and what he does. Then I'll be somebody who commit my life to him. I'll commit my family to him. I'll commit my future to him. See, we got Christians today who have the their amazing gift of salvation. It's an unspeakable, amazing gift, isn't it? Okay, thank both you Methodists. I said it's an amazing, unspeakable gift, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's right. I said it's an amazing, unspeakable gift. And I don't care how long you've been saved, friend. God, help us if we neglect so great salvation. It's not so-so salvation. It's so great salvation. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? The truth of the matter is here we have this incredible salvation that we know that God gave us. Hey, saved, secured, kept by the power of God, ready to be revealed at the last time. And then we take our life whoo, and we run off with it. We take our life and we do the Sunday morning churchianity. Pop in, give a little Jesus on Sunday morning, go on about our lives because after all, the Raiders are going to lose. I mean, uh, play <laughs> later on. And the only people who are laughing are the Niner fans and you got the same problem. So that doesn't make any difference. 
No, no, it's what you've done for me lately, God mentality. Because that's what we do with all our people. Just what you've done for me lately. A person who knows whom they have believed and have come to be persuaded that God is right, his word is true, and his promises are certain, guess what? They commit themselves to God. Then all of a sudden, the Christian life isn't something you pick up, take to church, leave it at church, and go home. No, 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 no. No, that's going to be, that's a 24-7, 365 day a year. Every day, every moment of my life, I am a child of God. I belong to him, and I've committed my life to him. Watch, you even get more crazy. You commit your family to him. You commit your marriage to him, like this dear couple that stood up here who needed longer retreat but the truth of the matter <laughs> two days ain't enough for them they need about six months and <laughs> that was hilarious to be honest with you I just I, okay good you commit your marriage to him you commit your family to him Hey, all of a sudden, you can get crazy and start committing your finances to God. Yeah, oh, I went too far on that one. You, you, yeah, watch out. Get, get close to people's God today. So many Christians today, that, that what they own owns them. Instead of them owning what they have. What, you know, if your company moves you somewhere, you just go because after all, that's your company. Your company is not your God. Are you clear about that? Let me just throw one more nickel on the bucket here this morning. They say, I'm a native Californian, born and raised in California. I love my state. I don't love everything about it. I understand it's weirdos, wackos, people. California's like a bowl of granola. You take out the fruits and nuts and all you got left is a bunch of flakes. I hear that everywhere I go. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's unbelievable. But quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I do not understand the exodus from our state. I don't understand this. We know salt and light is necessary to preserve corruption by the salt and push back the darkness by the light. And then we pack our little ditty bag and go move to Texas. I don't understand that. Okay, and I, I, don't, I don't care how popular that is with the concept. I'm sick and tired of people bailing out on this state. Yeah, but it's expensive, it's liberal, and we got this weirdo and the governor and nutball and man, 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 everything else. Where are you going to go? Joe Biden's the president. You know what the truth of the matter is? I'm not, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure we grasp that. I don't think we understand the concept. Hey, we are Christians, but we're going to go live somewhere where it's more conservative and less taxes. So money runs your life. This is getting too long right here. I can see that. Politics runs your life. How about this? How about stay here and let's make a difference? How about stay here and do something that does something to try to help this place? I don't care if we're like a little Dutch boy with our finger in the dike. For goodness sakes, put your finger in the dike. We got to do something about this. We actually get committed to who we are and what we are. We are, see, if you know whom you have believed and you are persuaded, you've committed some things to God. Now a bunch of you won't come back tonight. I'm sorry. Either because I hassled your politics or messed with you about the Raiders and the Niners. <laughs> but when you know whom you have believed, look at me. You are persuaded. You know what you do? You committed things to God. Against, it says, verse 12, that day. Well, what day is that? How about today? Is your day committed to God today? You like my suit? Okay, watch this. This suit was in Reading at 8 o'clock last night. We drove down yesterday, had a nice meal with the pastor and his wife. 
went to their house, had some apple pie and ice cream. You got to get on that apple pie. Anyway, right there, about 7.30, we went over to our room to get situated. And I realized I left my suit in Reading. Now, I don't think you want me to come in here and preach in spandex shorts and a half shirt. I really don't think so. <laughs> That'll make you miss lunch, just the concept of that. But all of a sudden I realized, oh man, it's 225 miles to home. Am I going to have to go home? First thing I did was check a men's warehouse. They're closed. And, you know, they don't have a suit my size because they don't make a lot of men's sizes. So I, <laughs> I called a former staff member because I'm retired now. Had him drive down halfway. Last night at 8 o'clock, 8.30, I'm driving up to Williams to meet them to get my suit. I'm standing in an Arco gas station at Williams last night, leaning on the car, waiting for these guys to show up. And all these skanky-looking dudes are pulling in the parking lot because they thought I was there to do a drug deal or something. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> and I was so tired. And I said, come on, Lord, get these guys here. They gave me my suit. And I got my suit and my shirt, so I look like a fundamentalist. And uh, though you missed it by not seeing the spandex and the half shirt, to be honest with you which I do not own. I have a whole shirt and spandex. And I'm driving back last night, get back here about 11 o'clock last night. And I'm thinking, I'm driving along thinking, Lord, first of all, I was so mad at myself, it kept me awake. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, I don't drink coffee because I have character. And I, I was driving. I'm racking them up, ain't I? Huh? And I'm saying, Lord, what? why today? <laughs> and then I realized he just wanted me to spend a little extra time with him against that day. Well, that's today. How about tomorrow? Hey, how about tomorrow? Do you know who is in charge of tomorrow? Right, we do know that. If you have things committed the way you should, then tomorrow is in his hands, not mine. Against that day. Whoa, 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 what about this one? Jesus is coming again. Oh, my soul. That day, that day when the trump of God sounds, not that guy, the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ rise first. We which are alive and remain are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Don't tell me Methodists don't go to heaven. And we which are alive and remain, whoa, we got caught up. We're right there. We're on the first. This is the moment. These are the men. We're not in the last days. We're in the last seconds of it all. And if you've got things committed the way you're supposed to, you're ready for that day too. All because you know whom you have believed. Let's stand our feet, please, this morning. Do you know whom you have believed? Do you?